Petri Dish is a product of Petri Dish Media, all rights reserved. Petri Dish is a science comedy podcast and should not be used as medical advice. Do not get medical advice from a podcast. And therefore, as a free man, I take pride in the words, Ich bin ein Science! Science! Yes. I know the human being and fire can coexist peacefully. This was now finest. Do you experience digital eye strain from too much blue light exposure from digital screens? Baxter blue glasses are not your average frames. These blue light lenses filter 80% of the highest energy blue light, eliminating 99% of glare. The past year, we have all been glued to our devices more than ever. And, you know, for this show, I end up having to do a lot of research and read a lot of articles online. I mean, staring at my screen for hours and hours as I write up the show notes and everything. Our exposure to digital light has soared, and our eyes and our sleep are suffering as a result. Baxter Blue is also a force for good, and provides a pair of reading glasses for someone in need for every pair sold. This is eyewear built for our digital age. And Baxter Blue is giving our listeners 10% off your next purchase of blue light, sleep, or kids' glasses. Click the link in our show notes for your exclusive discount. This is the sign you've been waiting for to invest in blue light glasses. We know you will love your Baxters, and we know that you will feel the difference. Hey guys, welcome to Petri Dish. I'm Nathan. I'm Sean. Now guys, a little confession. We're from Tulsa, Oklahoma. <laughs> And so we didn't really have a lot of spicy food, but then Sean married a Mayan woman and I married a Korean woman and we were introduced for the first time in our lives, around like 23. Oh. Spicy food. Why you want to lie to our listeners? Yeah. That's so naughty of you. I remember the first time Sean had had a jalapeno. <laughs> okay. It was his wedding. I, I, I grew up eating kimchi. That's true, okay. that's true. I had kimchi at the tea. We've been surrounded by spicy food our whole lives. Yep. You know, uh, we live in Southern California. Mm-hmm. So mom would make a taco Tuesday night. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. Or macho nachos. Macho nachos. In any case, yeah. we've definitely been introduced to the world of spicy. Right. And as someone who loves spicy food, I have known for some time that spicy food has something called capsaicin in it. Yeah. Like anything you love, you have to dissect it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And I have to dive it. deep. Yeah. And apply science to it because otherwise my brain recoils at the thought of chaos. Right. And the emptiness of the void. Yeah. So I'm trying to run away from that. Thank you. I embrace the void. <laughs> that's, right. that's nice. Yeah. yeah. That's nice. I try not to stare too deeply into it. Okay. So, guys, the next two episodes are going to be all about spiciness. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the chemical compound behind spiciness? And, and for that matter, what are other types of spiciness? Other type of chemical compounds that can cause it? What are the same kind of families of, of wacky? Are they all vegetables or fruit? technically uh yeah they're all berries all berries what are all the crazy fuck berries gonna mm-hmm. heat up your shit uh why does it work at all why do you feel spice so good so yeah that's what these next two episodes are going to be about let's do it So I've kind of recently become a little more aware of the language barriers of some of our listeners. And so I realized that not everyone might know what the word spicy means. Okay. Um, A little etymology. Spicy actually comes from spiciti, which is the original Latin term for a really thin dick. (laughs) 
right? Because spicy pricks you. That's why spicy actually comes from the same root as pickaxe. Picks in general. But anyway, so spicy means like a thin needling dick flavor. That's great. Yeah. Uh, you always get like a 15 to 30 second leeway period before reality comes crushing down. You know what I mean? Like, and then I'll, it's, it's as soon as you mention dick. That's when I know. Anyway, so. The main compound yes. that causes spiciness, the main chemical, is capsaicin. You can do it. Come on. Use your mouth words. Capsici. Close. Capsaicin. Yeah, and I would say that it's the molecule that comes to mind most immediately right. when we think of spicy flavor. Right. Okay. It's a relatively small, small molecule. Yeah. It's about 49 atoms, and, and a lot of those are hydrogens. And for some frame of reference, an atom is like like a quarter of a child. It's like so small, <laughs> right? Like an atom is way small. It, it is at least a quarter of a child. Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah. yeah, it's like if you take the smallest puppy you can yeah, imagine, yeah, yeah, just and then like, even wow, smaller than like that. Like a tiny <laughs> amount of that puppy. <laughs> yes. But okay, so it's a pretty small molecule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in terms of structure, it looks like it's got like a little head portion and it's got a mm. little tail thing going on. Right, a lot of hydrogens and carbons, right? Yes. Are carbons naturally spicy? Like if I licked a carbon, would it be spicy? No, no, because, you know, diamonds are just pure carbon. And right. They don't taste spicy at all. Yeah. Yeah. They so. taste like a fraud, like a <laughs> fucking lie. Yeah. Uh, why um, do any elements have flavors? Elements on their own. I guess sulfur probably. Have a smell, yeah, I, th I think. Right? I think. Yeah, they might have a little bit of something going on. Yeah. Okay. Plus, well, there's like salts, right? So you can just have sodium. That's, that's true. Pretty, that's but, true. Yeah. But anyway. okay. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. So okay. So it's got this little sperm-looking little guy. It's got a little tail. Yes. It's got a little head. Yes. And basically, in terms of that structure, it's got a head that is a hydrophobic group called uh. <laughs> this word's really hard to say. Vanillyl group. Mm. And then it's got this tail that's a fatty acid. Okay? Also hard to say. But anyway, I mean, a lot of practice. <laughs> um, so it's a pretty hydrophobic molecule because both its head group and its tail group are actually pretty hydrophobic. Okay. Mm. It was extracted in its more or less pure form for the first time in 1876 mm. by a guy named John Thresh. Ah, uh, ding, 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 ding. For you guys who are playing drinking games, Thresh is the basis of a League of Legends champ named Thresh, a support in the bottom lane. Oh, is he spicy? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's actually pretty good. He's always been very versatile. So, John Thresh, when he isolated capsaicin, he said, Capsaicin is powerfully pungent. The most minute portion, if volatilized, causing severe fits of coughing. So you, you speculate that he sprayed himself with basically pepper gas. Yeah, so one of the things you do when you're trying to isolate pure compounds yeah. is you try to heat them up to see when they become a gas. And right. I think that's like an important part of knowing what you made. Right, and much like the guy who accidented upon LSD, <laughs> yeah. maybe yeah. this guy yeah. took a little bit of his own medicine. Yeah, so I think he accidentally breathed in a bunch of volatilized capsaicin and was fucking on the ground coughing for a while. Well, it's very euphemistic. <laughs> So capsaicin is pretty fucking good at being spicy. Right. If you added a quarter teaspoon right. to a bathtub of water, the resulting bath water would still be like very noticeably spicy if you drink it. Cool. Like it, it would still be setting off all of your detections in your mouth. Okay? Boom. So you only need a little tiny bit of it. And I was looking around, right? I was right. reading a lot of these really old papers. Right. And one of the old papers that first synthesized capsaicin was actually one from the United States. Mm -hmm. Oh, we did a good job. Nice. And the dudes that published it, they published it on my birthday, July 2nd. Yeah, 1923. Yes. Yeah. When I was literally born. Yeah. And... 98. 
<laughs> and so the interesting thing was that the research was performed at or by the Chemical Warfare Service. Right. Which, which uh, was doing important patriotic work at the time. <laughs> yeah, well, so it hadn't been around for that long, yeah. right? Because it was formed in 1918 right. for, like, kind of obvious reasons. As per usual, America was a little late to the party. Huh? <laughs> <I know. laughs> it's like, we finally pumped it! <laughs> a week later, the war's over. So there was, like, chemical groups kind of linked to the mines, to, to mining. Oh, okay. Uh, because right. you needed masks for certain kinds of mining. Right. So the army did kind of, like, have these mining groups help out with masks for the chemical warfare going on during World War One, Yeah. But then near the end of World War One, they were like, all right, we need to, like, officially set something up because people are going to be running around firing off mustard gas and shit, cool. and we're going to, like, need our own defenses. So Wonder Woman famously ran straight through mustard gas. Uh, does she... Do you think Amazonians don't have the same receptors? Like, how, how, does, how does she do that? Yeah, or, like, you know, kind of Bene Gesserit style, she can just, like, shut down certain signals just mm. by, like, deciding she doesn't want to pay attention to them. It's probably more that, isn't that's, it? That's what I'm going with. Yeah. In any case, capsaicin is one of this kind of family of 20 or so compounds called capsaicinoids. Okay. And they're all pretty similar to each other. Or I should say there's about 20 naturally occurring molecules that yeah. you can, like, find in plants. It sounds like a good TV show, the capsaicinoids. It's like a quirky family. I think oids in yeah. general kind of lend themselves to like exactly. kind of a quirkiness going yeah. on. And, you know, all of these compounds can cause some level of burning sensation in your mouth. But they apparently can kind of form different sorts of burning. Or they can last okay. for different amounts of time. That makes or sense. Or you kind of feel them most in different parts of your tongue and everything. Right. These different compounds, there's some like different terminology you can use to try to describe how they burn. Right. There's the difference between sharp pain versus what this paper's called flat pain. In the culinary vernacular, what would that be? Like different peppers. Like what's a sharp capsicin? Sure. So, oh. so I, I think a lot of times when people think about if they have like a hot sauce that is just more like immediate sharp like i just got stabbed in my tongue spiciness right. versus one that kind of spreads out a little bit more maybe there's more flavor involved and mm. then the burn is kind of spread out over your tongue as right. opposed to like the spot it hit that thing just got stabbed right you know what i mean okay yeah i see that and it can also change the location of the sensation in your mouth that's interesting the front of the tongue back of the throat kind of right. situation and then how long it takes to start burning, and then also how long it lasts. So, and all these variables are not necessarily, I mean, I'm sure they are on some level linked to quantity, but they're actually, they're linked to the actual chemical differences. That is what it seems, yes. Wow, that's cool, okay. Might as well also mention at this point how capsaicin-based hotness is measured, right? right? Uh, a lot of times it's using Scoville units, mm -hmm. and that was invented longer back than I thought in 1912 yeah i thought for some reason scoville units was probably like, like 1982 or right something. I, I seriously i thought right it was like, the it was like <laughs> they're trying to like figure out how much cayenne to put into like kfc it was like the first time an american dude tried something spicy yeah in the yeah, 1980s. yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> it was like this is the first time anyone's ever experienced this yeah. ever name it after me yeah no 1912 okay yeah that is a while ago and this dude scoville really wanted to be able to compare different peppers and basically, he mashed up the peppers and added alcohol to extract out the capsaicin. Yeah. And then he added that spicy alcohol into sugar water mm -hmm. in defined amounts. Like, he would add one part spicy alcohol to 10,000 parts sugar water. Wow. Or something okay. like that, right? And basically, he would have five people taste it. Right. And if they could feel a burning, then that would... 
mean that they needed to dilute it further. Okay. Okay. And then they would keep diluting it until they hit a number where people couldn't feel it anymore. Okay. Well, do you have a frame of reference of like how much, what's the Scoville unit of a jalapeno? Yeah. I think uh, jalapenos are usually like 50,000 to 100,000. And then like an habanero is like a million or something, right? No, I think it's like that, that it's, I don't know if it goes up to a million for habaneros. Is I, that what you remember? Yeah. Well, yeah. I know that like a like a Carolina Reaper. Yeah. Is like two point five million or something. It's yeah, like yeah, fucking yeah. stupid. Yeah. 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 Right. Um, Although, didn't we have Carolina Reapers together? Yeah. Were those Reapers? Uh, yeah. And I think we had so. like a little sliver of it. Yeah. And, they weren't even that bad. They were just awful. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I like flavor with my spiciness. Yeah. 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 You know what I mean, that's that's what I'm looking for is a mixture of the flavor and the burn. Oh, yeah. Habanero. Young, you know. You're yeah, well, boy. you made that really delicious. Uh, Andre made that really delicious sauce. I know, but you know how I to was make there. it. Yeah, yeah. You were part of it. You, yeah. you like got burns from all the habaneros that you were processing, right? That's the only. That's the first time I felt like I really deserved something I made. You, you put your body on the line. Yeah. Okay, and you deserved those rewards. Tasted my tears. Um, we're, we're talking about a garlic sauce that has a shitload of habanero in it. Yeah, right? it's a like roasted a, garlic habanero sauce. God damn, it's good. It's yeah. good, everybody. Uh, what was I saying? I got distracted thinking about how tasty it is. Oh, so anyway, so you, you just keep diluting it until right. you get to the point where a majority of the people cannot taste the spiciness anymore. Okay, so that's cool, although it feels like somehow a tiny informal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I think it's called a organoleptic scale because, mm. like, you're using your senses to try to find a scaling for it. Right. And, I mean, to be fair, our tongues are impressively sensitive to capsaicin spiciness mm-hmm. so we actually do a pretty good job nowadays usually what people use is a kind of chemistry analytical tool called high performance liquid chromatography or hplc okay and when you do that different chemicals basically get spread out and you can kind of see how much of each chemical you have okay and so with that you know they can get some number in like micrograms per milliliter or parts per million for capsaicin and it turns out if you take the parts per million and multiply it by 16 that usually gives you a pretty good approximate for what the scoville unit is all right cool so actually scoville units are more based in reality than you'd think right again our tongues are like a pretty good measure of of these things yeah the tongue is the most um the most uh sexual the the best (laughs) yes they're sexual (laughs) the most sexual organ great it's the best one okay it can sense things better than even the mind Wow. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Okay. So let's go ahead and take a break now. And then when we come back, let's talk about where we get capsaicin from. Yeah. Let's do that. Hello, listeners. Do you look around and see all those rich Uber and Lyft drivers and think, man, I'd love to get in on that, but I'm too poor to own a car. Well, today's your lucky day, you pleb bastard. Because ShareCar is now available across the continental United States. ShareCar is a service that provides you a car with unlimited mileage and gas. All you need to do is the driving. ShareCar links to your Uber and Lyft apps and automatically extracts its fee for the car, so you don't need to worry your sweet little head about it. Does all this sound like sharecropping, where the company store would rent tools to poor farmers for exorbitant prices and keep them from being able to move up in the world? Well, why don't you shut the hell up, nerd? Once you've paid off the car for the day, all that sweet extra gig economy cash is yours for the taking. So really, the only thing keeping you from millionaire status is a creeping sense of the commodification of your soul. And laziness! Shake it off, peasant, and head on over to the App Store. Use promo code PetriDish in the app 
for one free day of driving on us. Download CarShare today. Ick benign indentured servitude. So I, lo- I was looking through the demographics of our listenership, and um, it's like 99% Florida, right? So like, <laughs> so like most of our audience members have only ever had jalapeno. Okay. But so let's go through the other kind of peppers, the different families of peppers from which we derive our delicious capsicum. Right. So plants in the capsicum genus, maybe as a reminder for people, species are kind of how we define right. uh, the closest level, sometimes subspecies or cultivars right. or whatever. But above species is genus. Right. And then above Genus is family, and then we keep going and through all that stuff. And above that is order. Yeah. Okay, and above order is phylum. Yeah, I mean, so we start... Fuck! <laughs> so we, we start shoving in extra things. Right, because like, like, like vertebra and, and like chordata are like right, sub-phylum, right? right. right? We, so we start shoving in all kinds of right. stuff like that. And right? then at kingdom, it's just like we're just jerking each other off at that point, right? Like that's kind of like our little domain. Yeah, 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 so yeah, we yeah. Just, yeah, but in any case, species, genus, and then family. Okay. And so this genus, which has about 20 to 27 species in it. Okay. It's called capsicum. Okay. Five of those species have been domesticated. All right. But that means that a majority of them are wild and still out there. This genus overall is within the nightshade family. Very scary sounding. And that nightshade family has a lot of really important plants in it. Okay. We got tomatoes. We got potatoes. Mm-hmm. Eggplants, which are the same thing as aubergines. I did not know that for a long time. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, um, also nightshade. Yes, right. deadly nightshade and yeah. tobacco are right. also in this family. Okay? Right, kind of sensuous pump, fruit, a spiciness, death itself. They're yes. all kind of linked together in this sexy, sexy dance we call we call fruit and spiciness. Very sensuous and yeah. sumptuous. Yes. Um, okay, so capsicum, like I said, those five domesticated species, what are they? One of them is capsicum annuum. And that species has a shitload of cultivars. It's probably like the main one. So when you think of peppers, most of them are going to be in that species. Right. Jalapenos and banana peppers as yes. good example. Yes. Paprika also. It's also got a big range, right? Because jalapenos, cayenne, those are spicy. Yeah. But it's also got paprika and bell peppers. Those right. are not spicy. Right. right. So it's got this big, big range. Okay. And then... And they no- have like serranos. Yeah. Serranos are actually like pretty spicy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. And then so we do poblanos, pepperoncinis, you know, it's, it's okay. got all over the place, right? So then back at them. Yeah. Like, or back at them. Back which at them. That's how I read it the first time. Okay. I, I don't think it is back I read, at them. I, I, I read the anime Bacano. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a good theme song. Good job. Okay. Well, anyway, so back at them. Yeah. Uh, so a couple of examples of that species are Bishop's Crown and Lemon Drop. No one's, uh, no one's ever heard of any of those. Man. That's right. Bullshit. So I think they're just mainly in South America. Okay. Cool. Okay. And those are just the translated names of these South American peppers. Okay. And then there's Chinesey. Yeah, uh, uh, I think Chinense or Chinense or something like that. But like, well, these are the important ones. This habanero. is the habanero baby. Yeah, that's the habanero species. Also, Scotch bonnet and plenty of others that are kind of you know similar-ish to habaneros. There was like a good ten minutes after I first heard of Scotch bonnet where I had this like rewriting of my world history. I was like, were peppers from Scotland? Right. So I mean, the species name doesn't help either because it reads like Chinese, right? Because a Dutch dude just couldn't fucking be bothered to figure out that they're not from China. Oh, so it's kind of that classic situation where... Yeah, yeah. Right, like the West Indies kind of situation. Right, yeah. I think this Dutch dude, the first time he ran into an habanero, was like related to some kind of Chinese food. And he was like, 
That shit's got to be from China. That wouldn't be that surprising. You know, I don't know if any of this is true, so, uh, you know, automatically shut me out. But, you know, I was just reading about Suriname uh, cuisine, because Suriname is this Dutch colony, or former Dutch colony in South Africa. Mm. South America. Wow, I'm all over the place. Suriname is this former Dutch colony in South America that had a lot of Indian, a lot of Indonesian, a lot of Chinese, a lot of Caribbean, and a lot of Dutch uh, influence in their cuisine. Man. So maybe he was hanging out in Suriname, just eating some Chinese food and just like forgot that he was also substantially in South America. Literally in South America (laughs) where all of these fucking things were originally from. Yeah. Well, anyway. So hilariously. Yeah. uh, Habaneros. Yes. And then we have Frutasens. Cultivars from this species are like Tabasco and Peri Peri. Mm, Delicious. Yeah. Peri Peri is great. Yeah. Portuguese food is like, whoa, whoa. So good. I guess that's, Yeah. That is Portuguese. I'm sure there's I, other places. I, I think about it as pepper. African. Because uh, I, think, I think that pepper is like really, really popular as a cultivar in Africa. I'm so Eurocentric. And I think like that sauce from that pepper is actually African yeah. and the Portuguese steal it <laughs> like they steal everything. So like, <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing but uh, pirate sea dogs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wow. Moving on, we have pubescent. It's the last one, right? <laughs> yeah, yes. Uh, pu- pubescens, for some reason. Uh, pubescens. <laughs> Cultivars of this species are pretty rare outside of places like Peru and Bolivia. Cool. They're um, like around jalapeno spicy. Yeah, right? yeah. And they look kind of like little apples. That's cool. So like, you know how habaneros, if you took an habanero and then made it plumper, mm. so kind of like filled out and looked like an apple. Man, I want to try those. Yeah, me too. A okay. lot of these sound really fun. Let's go to South America, dude. Let's do a Petri tour South America kind of sex vlog. You know, I was watching a sex vlog the other day. <laughs> I just realized it's a really cool way to do both porn and travel. You know? Yeah, well. It's like you pay for your trip each stop. I mean, honestly, <laughs> honestly, I'm still absorbing that information, so it, it hasn't sounded like a bad idea to me yet. You know I mean? <laughs> yeah, still sounds good. Yeah, you'll okay. only wake up about half of the trip and be like, I'm in a nightmare! <laughs> so, with all of these guys, typically the capsaicin is produced and stored in the largest amount in the tissue surrounding the seeds. Really? Not, not technically in the seeds themselves. That's so interesting because everyone always blames the seeds for spiciness. Right. So the seeds themselves are just about making a new plant. They don't yeah. got any time to be making shit like right. spiciness. Right. As we're going to talk about later, there's quite an energy cost to making these chemicals and stuff like that. Right. So like a little bit of layer of tissue on the seed. Right. And then tissue kind of surrounding that area within the pepper, some of that white yeah, kind of membrane stuff. Yeah, little fuzz shit. Yeah. That's yeah. got a lot of capsaicin. Right. And where this is going to make a lot of sense when we talk about potential evolutionary reasons for why right exactly is shit is spicy in the first place right which when, when do we do that i guess that's pretty soon actually <laughs> hey, yeah great oh uh, yeah you're right it's like literally in the next minutes. thing anyway okay, but, but, but the, the actual flesh itself okay. of these peppers do not have very much capsaicin in them okay cool 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 so why is there spicy at all right <laughs> like why why are plants making this chemical why are they capsaicin yeah right so when you look out there Mammals, yeah. a lot of times, have the sensors involved to be able to detect capsaicin. Yeah. Where, is, that, is that just like a... I mean, where's the chicken and the egg here? Right? Yeah, that's a good question. The, I guess this always wanders into awkward metaphysical religious talk. So, like, maybe we shouldn't worry too much about... You yeah, know. yeah. Well, <laughs> let, let me put it this way. Birds have sensors very similar to this. Okay. But their ability to get activated by capsaicin is much lower. Okay. Okay. So there's mammals and birds. Mammals, they chew their seeds, crush the seeds. So it's not as good for spreading it in this particular case of these fruit, right? So maybe at some point, 
plants accidentally started making this chemical that meant that mammals didn't want to eat the fruit anymore. Birds did. Yeah. So that meant it spread easier. Right, right, right. So just to slam that idea home, right, that mammals a lot of times have molars that can grind up shit really well. Yeah, most Whereas, mammals. You know, I don't. What? Yeah. No, you got nice molars in the back of your mouth. No, nah, I lost them, dude. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Play, Playing too much poker. Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> um, Rounders. <laughs> Ed Norton. But birds, you know, they got them beaks. They're just going to be munching up the fruit and everything like that. And then pooping the seeds out somewhere. Yeah. So birds actually help spread seeds of pepper plants. Mm. So... If you did something that made it so birds didn't want to eat your fruit, right. that could actually be bad for you as a plant, right? right? Whereas mammals, because they're grinding up the seeds, they're not very useful to you. Right. So if you can figure out a chemical that doesn't hit birds but does hit mammals, that's pretty awesome. Enter capsicity me. You, right? can, you can say this word. I believe in you. Let's not belabor. <laughs> but yeah, so the idea then, I should mention, capsaicin is what's called a secondary metabolite. Which means it's not important for the plant to like grow and everything like that or use as energy. Okay. But it is something that it can make from other stuff that it's just generally making. It's like, oh, if I just take something I'm already making and then I add like an enzyme step or two, then I can end up with this other chemical. All right. And it, yeah, it's entirely possible that through serendipitous recombination of some stuff it had laying around, it ended up making some chemical as maybe a byproduct mm. that actually does hinder mammals from eating. Okay, that's pretty cool. But it doesn't just end with mammals and birds. Ah, oh, nothing else eats plants, right? <laughs> there is another evolutionary answer that's not mutually exclusive. And one of them is that insects like to kind of drink up some nutrients out of peppers. Okay. and Or lots of fruit. And so there are these kinds of beetles that like to shove their proboscis kind mm. of mouth parts yeah. into the fruit and kind of suck out some juices from the peppers, okay. from the pepper berries. Did, I mean, is this something that peppers like or don't like? They do not like. So throw in some capsicin, yeah. and now those beetles are going to not want to suck it. Right. So if you compare pepper plants that have capsaicin production versus ones that don't, yeah. beetles have a tendency to eat more of the ones that don't. Yeah. But that's not the only thing. Okay, yeah. because when they're drinking those juices out, they're poking little holes. Yeah. Okay, and those holes let in a fungus. Yeah, and this fungus likes to grow on seeds and fuck up the seeds and make it so they can't work anymore. Capsaicin okay? also is a defense against this, huh? Right. Mm. So if you take that fungus and you try to grow it on a petri dish with some capsaicin mixed in, it grows way, way worse. So this is where you got all the ideas for freshman year, huh? <laughs> for yeah, what? I mean, well, people just trying to gobble your left and right at Berkeley. And I remember that for a few weeks, you actually would put capsaicin I on said, the outside I, of your Sure, I pepper sprayed my own Yeah, d yeah. And like people just like, just like they, eh, it's like run <laughs> off, right? <laughs> You're finally free. So it's, you know, uh, yes, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> yeah. Capsaicin and other capsaicinoids can disrupt the fungal cell membranes. Oh, wow. And can actually interrupt the electron transport chain. Oh, so it really fucks up fungus. So, yeah, so it can fuck them up pretty hard. And there like, are some fungal strains that have appeared to start evolving some resistance to certain levels of capsaicin. Oh, interesting. Uh -oh. So there is, you know... Something of, else is going to ruin something about we, that we love about the world. <laughs> so there is a battle going on, right? right? That's interesting. So, I mean, that almost sounds like... So capsaicin, like, really fucks fungus. Yeah. And then kind of just, like, by look at the draw, 
a lot of other things don't like it. Right. So mammals find it really irritating right. to our sensor. And yeah. we'll talk about what the sensor is and right. everything. But for us, we find it like irritating on the tongue or at least it, that i mean yeah we're supposed to right but we are we, uh, a we masochistic species. we don't find it broadly toxic right right? right right whereas it is toxic to fungus interesting okay why aren't all peppers like just like insanely spicy right it seems like hey this is pretty right. beneficial in several ways right. what's the point of being a bell pepper and having like one scoville unit right so as frequent listeners are probably starting to pick up, a lot of times we talk about evolutionary stuff. Right. There's no free lunch here, right? right. Living organisms have to pay Unlike some Unlike Joe Biden's price. America. <laughs> <laughs> um, what? Kids are supposed to eat? <laughs> How are we going to evolve? <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. Yeah, great. So, living organisms, they need to protect themselves, right. but there is some kind of cost that comes with it. And certainly there is an energetic cost to making capsaicin. In conditions where resources are scarce, plants that produce less capsaicin usually have more energy to do things like produce more seeds. Cool. There's also some kind of genetic link, it seems, between capsaicin production and stomata on leaves. Oh. So hmm. uh, stomata are like the little openings on leaves that let gas exchange happen. Right. And so kind of oddly... Plants that have more capsaicin production have more stomata. Mm, they're also from Catholic countries, so that makes a lot of sense. This is a stigmata joke? Uh, it's not a joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the thing is that in humid conditions, having more stomata doesn't really matter. Right. But in drought conditions or drier areas, having more stomata can actually mean you have more water loss. Mm. And so that can actually be bad Interesting. for plants. Okay, so you are doing a trade-off here. Yeah, so there is a trade-off. That's also uh, why the really spicy stuff comes from the jungle, because it doesn't matter as much. Yeah, or from domestication, where we just right, give we them as really much water. Right, we really don't give a fuck. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah right. Um, the seaweed is always greener. That's what, that was, that's what I was thinking about, you know, because we're like really tropical for this episode. Yes. Right. So well, one thing, though, about domesticated species and everything yeah. is most of the wild species and cultivars of capsicum produce some capsaicin. Okay. Okay, most of them. It's domestication by South American and Mesoamerican people over like 6,000 years appears to have resulted in peppers that are either way spicier mm. or way less spicy. Okay. As in domestication pushed that variable in both directions. That kind of makes sense. Yeah, it's interesting because that's a lot of times when you domesticate stuff, you'll go in like a particular direction. Right. Like making the thing larger or something like that. Right. But in this case, it went both ways. Right. Making some that are like way, way spicier and some yeah. that are way less spicy than the wild version. Gender norms were looser in Mesoamerica. What the fuck? What yeah. does that mean? Well, they were more, you know, by spicy. You know, they're, oh, they're, God damn it. They, <laughs> <laughs> that thought made so little sense. To, I, I need to like wipe that out of my brain. So, uh, in a smooth brain like me, <laughs> in those cultures, just since we're on this digression already, capsicum peppers were used for way more than just food spices. Right? right. They were also used in traditional medicines, oh. including treatments for things like parasites and lice and fleas. That sounds like ass. I mean, even now capsaicin stuff is thought to be like maybe you can use it as a natural way to repel pests really yeah oh okay cool like i don't think it works as well as like a chemical pesticide that like literally kills pests right but, right, like, right it was used for example yeah. dried peppers would be put into storehouses along with like the maize yeah. and everything like that sounds like if danny trey had a camel would be like 
this is the smell of my pussy. <laughs> be like, that's his in there. What the fuck? <laughs> this is the smell of my pussy. And you're just popping off today. Just, any kind of words you want to say. That was kind of funny. <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, okay. So let's take our uh, next break. And then yeah. when we come back, let's talk about what actually makes capsaicin spicy to us. Okay, cool. The following is an actual advertisement. Do you want to know things about video games? How about consumer-oriented reviews, honest opinions, hot takes, and predictions? Well, you're listening to the right ad. Introducing the Lit Gaming Arena Podcast Season 2. We bring you two episodes every week. Terminal News, which focuses on all the latest gaming news you'll ever need. And the LGA Cast, where we talk about all the games we're playing and the gaming industry in general. And we do not hold back any punches. We also have the occasional wacky guest. So don't miss out. Subscribe to us today. You can find us on our website, lga.gg, and on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever podcast app you use. Again, that's the Lit Gaming Arena podcast at lga.gg. So one of the goals of our pod has been to, you know, try to understand things through science. So, so, what, uh, so, so when we taste, you know, things like quote unquote spicy, right? Um, <laughs> like how? Like what does it mean to taste a thing through science? <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> That's a great question, Nathan. <laughs> yeah, so, so there's actually, there's a lot of taste receptors, taste buds and everything like that, right? On our tongue that can detect different flavors, okay? That is not what's going on with capsaicin. All right, so in the sense that like saltiness is detected by a taste bud and sugars are detected by a taste bud. That right. is not the same for capsaicin. Okay. Capsaicin is detected by a very different kind of nerve called a noiceptor or no nociceptor. Okay. They're for detecting pain, basically. Right. All right. Um, and so they're typically meant to detect dangerous signals and send those signals to your brain. And then usually those signals are interpreted as some kind of pain. Okay. Like, for example, wow, that's too hot. Or right. I'm getting poked by something really fucking sharp or okay. something like that. Or I just got acid dumped on me. This All is a pretty interesting mind versus matter sort of thing then. Your body's telling you you're in pain and you're like, give me more natural hot chicken. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That is what is going on. So, Because you know, I was going to say that a post-structuralist interpretation of spicy, to make my opening comment sound less stupid, yeah. would be that there really is no such thing as spicy or even a physical chemical, or at least the chemical has no inherent connotation. Or denotation, maybe. Instead, because we are trained by the Botter uh, panopticon to believe in the idea of spicy, we are told something is spicy, and then we interpret spice. Oh, I see. Yeah, so that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, of course, you'd say that. Well, no, it, it, because... <laughs> the capitalism has paid you to believe in material things. Well, what I think is fun about this is that sometimes when you eat spicy things, it's described as burning, mm -hmm. right? And this is actually like a very direct link in your brain. Right. Because the receptor that is getting set off is the burning is one. one for burning. Right. High temperature set really off this receptor. So this is a thing where our language, our terminology for that corresponds to something actual. That's biological. so interesting. So the I suppose the plant or the chemical, it's almost tricked your brain into thinking that it's burning, even though, of course, in reality, 
that's not at all physiologically what's happening. Right, exactly. So what's happening here are on these nerves that are for detecting pain, there are some receptors. They're specifically what are called ion channels. Yes. So they let certain ions, like in this case, calcium uh, is one of the main ones, and sodium. So these channels can open up, let those ions in, and when those ions come flooding in, that triggers the neuron so that you get that signal like, ow, something's hurting. Mm. Okay. And so examples of these, they're kind of this big family of channels called the TRP family. Mm. They were actually technically discovered first in flies, fruit flies. Okay. We do a lot of genetic studies in fruit flies because they can grow so quickly and they just like naturally will mutate. They're not very litigious. No? Not litigious at all? It helps too. It must be a tough job to be a fruit fly lawyer. Yeah. (laughs) You're like, wow, why don't you tell me what happened that night? (laughs) Where did he touch you? (laughs) He's like, talk to me. (laughs) (laughs) So these TRP channels were discovered in fruit flies because scientists had found this mutant fly. Mm. And then that mutant fly had a whole family of flies. And all of these flies, they were acting weird in reaction to light. Okay, Because normally with fruit flies, if you turn on the light and leave the light on... They'll go into this light response mode, and then they'll keep being aware that it's bright. Right. Because you left the fucking light on. Not these guys, though, huh? No, these ones had a transient response. When you turn the light on, they would react at first, but then they would change their behavior as if you turned the light back off. Wow. So in nature, these guys don't last that long. (laughs) No, they they wouldn't have done great. Uh, But when they actually looked in genetically to see why the fuck is this fly acting so weird. They're terrible channels were all fucked up right they found that there was a particular gene that was responding temporarily when it should have just normally been turned on permanently by the light being on that's cool okay and they called it the transient receptor potential channel okay and soon they found it in other animals including humans so this is the same thing that's derp in our burn response right and so we have a lot of them so we have terp v1 terp a1 and a bunch of others. Terpa ter- one. <laughs> yeah. And those two in particular are ones that get hit by capsaicin really hard. Okay? okay. And there's a bunch of different chemicals that can also hit those. And we'll talk about those next time. But the V in Terp V1 stands for vanilloid. And if you remember at the very start of the episode, I mentioned capsaicin has a head part mm. called a vanillyl group. Is that at all related to vanilla? Yes. That's, okay, it is yeah. the same thing. Okay. Yeah. So the compound that makes vanilla smell like vanilla mm. is called vanillin. Yeah. And its structure is kind of part of a class of molecules. This is a very devious class of molecules in general. Because I remember as a kid trying to drink vanilla mm-hmm. extract. Yeah. And like, so, yeah. such a letdown. Yeah, because the smell tricks you. You're oh, like, something's so, going to be sweet. So and it's good. fucking not. It's just dank. Yeah. Um. Yeah, yeah. Vanillin is actually a compound that I loaded into nanoparticles one time. That's It cool. made the whole lab smell awesome. Really? Yeah, not useful for anything. <laughs> it was are just you, a smell. Are you that kind of guy in lab? You're always doing kooky little things on the side like that? That, that was like my whole PhD. <laughs> yeah. It, it was like 99% useless kooky things and then 1% enough to get me graduated. <laughs> so basically, this receptor gets set off by a lot of other things you might call kind of more natural responses, what it's actually supposed to be set off by. Right, like being is, on fire. Yes. Temperatures above 107 degrees Fahrenheit right. set it off. Sundubu. Yes. Yes. And then also pretty acidic conditions. Okay. So either one of those will set off a burning sensation. And And, and will actually burn you. Yes. They will actually burn you. But also we describe those things as a burning feeling. Right. Right. Just like with capsaicin because it sets off the same receptor. That's so interesting. Okay. And so kind of intriguingly, 
ethanol can set off the TRPV1 channel at higher concentrations. Yeah. So sometimes if you're drinking like a really, really high proof something, you can kind of get a burning sensation. Right. That's the same. But even at low concentrations, it can sensitize the TRPV1 channel. That means, for example, if you drink some booze, even like a beer. Right. And then try to have something that's less than 107 degrees. It'll still like... It'll still feel kind of burning. Interesting. So it kind of, it makes it more sensitive to things like temperature Hmm. and more sensitive to capsaicin. So all them alcohol molecules are just doing something to your receptors. Yeah, yeah. And making them get tripped off more easily by those signals, which actually suggests that if you're eating spicy food and drinking alcohol. Don't. Well, it'll just make that spicy food stay pretty spicy to you. Okay. Which could be desirable. But also if you're like got crazy mouth burning. Yeah. Booze probably isn't going to be the thing that's going to Right. Happen. Whereas we're, we're going to talk about this in the next episode, but uh, if you really want to diminish spiciness, yeah. drink lukewarm Cambodian breast milk, <laughs> right? That's... Like the, the lactase molecules in Cambodian breast milk like really help with your receptors. I like where your brain is at. <laughs> <laughs> I like what your teeth's doing. Uh, but let, so let's uh, let's go ahead and wrap up this episode. Yeah, I'm actually going to take a break, like like a, like a week-long break. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> One of the longer breaks that we take <laughs> between episodes. So we're going to end this one here and when we come back next time we're going to talk about what you can do we're going to give you some practical advice for what you can do (laughs) if you have mouth burn right yeah but then we're also going to talk a lot about other things that are actually spicy right what about Szechuan peppercorn what about black pepper right Right. so other things that are spicy that are not capsaicin right okay and that's that's going to be next episode oh guys we should say our thank yous Mm -hmm. thank you mom for introducing us to spicy foods at a young age so now we're not punk bitches (laughs) I thought you were going to say thank you to mom for introducing you and me together (laughs) 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 this spot would not exist without mom <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Boy, thank you wow. to Stacy Song, our sound lord and engineer. Thank you, Brian, for art. Uh, congratulations on a 60th birthday. Yeah, you, you made it twice as long as expected. God damn. Very good. At Dish Podcast on Twitter, PetriDishPod at gmail.com for emails. Patreon.com slash PetriDish if you want to give us a dollar or more per month. Mm-hmm. And come back next time for more spicy. Hey, see you guys and stay spicy. <laughs> Da 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 da